We've been going through Philippians. What did I say last week? We're going to continue going through Philippians. We started chapter 2 last week. And we will continue in that. This week we're going to be focusing on verse 5 through 11 of chapter 2. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, you can turn there as we get to it. But last week we talked about this shared gospel perspective. And from this shared gospel perspective, then we would have a shared gospel response. Now, last week I ran out of balloons because the balloons were so popular. All the kids took the balloons after service, right? But remember the illustration. If we've been impacted by the gospel... Right? We've been filled. We've been transformed. We are different than we were before because of the gospel. That's the action. We're changed. We're transformed. But the response or the, the reaction, right, is that we would be different and then we would be moved, right? We would be moved. We would respond to the gospel that has changed us. And so as we looked at, and I have balloons afterwards, a whole nother pack, all right? So tell your kids. There was, there was one kid last week that didn't get a balloon and I felt really bad. But as we looked at verse 1 through 5, we talked about if there was any encouragement. You can look at the screen. If there's any encouragement, if there's any comfort, if there's any fellowship, if there's any tenderness or compassion, if, if we have any of that in Jesus Christ... Then he said, complete my joy completely, right? Make my joy complete. Complete my joy by what? By being like-minded. By having this mind of Christ. But that's how we're going to complete Paul's joy completely. This is the instruction that he's given to us. He's like, I want you to have this shared perspective. I want you guys to have this manner of thinking. And we talked about that together. We're supposed to have this manner of thinking, how we feel, how we desire. Our purpose is supposed to be like. It's supposed to be the same. We're to be united. It literally says we're to have this one mind. And that seems impossible. That seems impossible as we look at each other to think we could all have the same mind. We could all have the same perspective. But that's what Paul said. And he says, if we have the same perspective, if we share that, then we'd also share this response, how we respond. If we think this way, if we feel this way, then we're going to respond in a like way. We're going to respond in the same way. And we talked about our natural perspective is this vain conceit, right? We're, we're actually starving for importance. We want to be important. I want to know that I matter. I want to know that I'm significant. And so we're, we hunger for that. We hunger for glory. And because of that, the response is selfish ambition. It's about me. Are you talking about me? Are you being offensive to me? Right? Because I'm starving, I'm ready to fight. But if our, trans, if our perspective has been transformed by the gospel, we're not ready to fight because our perspective is different. We see others as valuable. We see others as significant. And so then, therefore, we're ready to actually meet their needs. I'm ready to put your interests, your needs before my own because my perspective has been changed. My response is also different. We're other-focused. But I want you to notice that those perspectives, or that perspective, 
that response. It's a gospel perspective. It's a gospel response. And to be very, very clear, the gospel is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And when it says we're to have this gospel perspective, it means that we would, this is based on who Jesus was, and this is based on what Jesus did. That's our perspective. That's our response. It's about Jesus. It comes from the gospel, and it's all about Him. And if you look at verse 5, that's where we ended last week, but we're going to start this week. It says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, have the same mind, as who? As Jesus. That's the mind we're to share. Paul says at the end, don't look to each other like I told you to. Right? We don't look at each other and think, how am I going to have the same mind as Nidia? Nidia have the same mind as me. It's not that we're to have each other's mind. We're actually to have the mind of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to have the mind of Jesus Christ, and you're going to have the mind of Jesus Christ, and together we're going to share that mind. Our shared perspective is with Jesus. It's His mind. Not my mind. Not your mind. His mind. Our shared response is from what He did. It's His way. Not my way. Not your way. His way. So we share His perspective. We share His way. He's the example. He's the goal. He's the mark. He's the one we're looking to. It's a gospel perspective. It's a gospel response. It's about Him. We have to look to Jesus. We have to focus on Jesus. We have to come back to Jesus. We have to consider Jesus. If we're going to have this gospel perspective that leads to this gospel response. And that's the point of the passage today. I told you last week, we are, we're, we're walking, right, as we, as we come to Philippians 2, we're walking in the mountains, right? This is a huge mountain range. This is a glorious place where we're understanding these truths about God. And today what we're doing is we're in that range. We're among the mountains. You can see 360 degrees, but we're going to go to the highest peak. We're going to go to the tip. We're going to go to the summit. And that summit, that peak, is Jesus Christ. This is Mount Everest. Now, could you imagine going this far, the peak at the very top right, that's, that's the summit of Mount Everest. But could you imagine getting here where you're almost to the base camp, right? It's several more days to get to the top. But I'm here. I'm in Nepal. I'm going to the top. I can see the summit. I'm on my way. Could you imagine having a picture of yourself right here? But then what is the next question? If you saw a picture of me here, what would you ask me next? Did I get to the top? Did I, am I going to the top? Did I make it to the summit? Did I make, I mean, did I go all this way across the world, hiking all this place just to get to the base camp, just so I can get a glimpse of it? Or did I say, no, I made it to the summit. I made it to the, to the, to the point, to the tip. And if we came in this place and we looked at this truth and we saw that we could have the mind of Christ and the response of Christ, and we said, 
Ah, oh, but there he is. Let's go. Let's go back down. Like that doesn't make sense. Like why would we come here and why would we not then focus on and look at and just be amazed by Jesus Christ? Why would we not want to be at the summit? And so that's where Paul takes us in this passage. Look at Jesus. Let's go to the summit. Let's see the top. Let's be there with Him. If we're going to have His mind, His perspective, then don't we need to be there with Him? Don't we need to see Him for who He is? And so I want to read the passage. Verse 5 through 11 of Philippians 2. This is all about Jesus. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Are we amazed? Are we moved by who Jesus was, by who Jesus is, by what He's done, by what He's doing? Are, are we amazed by that? Are we in awe of that? As we consider that, as we read that passage. And I will tell you that as I read this, as I looked at this, I mean, this is one of my favorite passages. This is one I'll come to again and again. But I'm like, yep, I know that passage. Seen that one. Know that one. That's yeah, Jesus. He's cool. I don't think that we are amazed by Jesus. All right. If we were close to the summit of Mount Everest, would you all be sitting on your butts? Would you all be sitting back, just trying to stay awake, trying to make it, trying to make it? Yep. Try and keep my eyes on Jesus. Like, if you were there, if you were at that peak, you'd be like, "I can't wait to get to the top. We're going to see the top. This is going to be good." Like, you wouldn't be able to sleep. All right. So I want everybody to stand. I remember growing up in church, we're going to stand in honor of the Word of God. Alright? We're going to stand in honor of Jesus Christ. And I want to reread this. And I want you to think about who it's talking about. I want you to ask yourself, am I amazed by who Jesus is? Am I amazed by what Jesus has done? And let's read this together. Let's stand in honor of Him. Let's consider it one more time. We'll read this together in English and Spanish at the same time. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. All right, you can be seated.
pueden sentar. You don't know how much that encourages me. Because I had no intention for us to actually say that together. I'm talking to Nita and I said, let's read in English and Spanish together. And you guys said, all right, we're all going to do it together. And you guys started responding like, like, that's the idea. That's wonderful. That's amazing. Like, thank you for that. That's so encouraging. That we would see ourselves in that way. That we would do that together. All right, so we're going to go through the passage. The big idea. Jesus, he entered fully into life and he entered fully into others' lives. In this passage, those are the two things that we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on Jesus and that he actually entered into life and that he entered fully into others' lives. So the first, into life. In verse 6, being in the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be held on to, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He came in human likeness. The theological word for this is incarnation. Literal incarnation. Literally in the flesh. The idea of incarnation is when someone, right, perfectly represents, perfectly makes known this, this idea, this quality. And in this case, Jesus Christ is perfectly making known God. He came in the flesh. He came from heaven to earth so that we could see God. A perfect representation of God in the flesh, walking amongst us. Look at John 1.14. It says, And the Word, this Word is Jesus Christ, this Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we've seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Being God. It literally says, In the very nature of God. He was God. And Jesus Christ came. He didn't have the perspective that I need to hold on to my glory. I need to, I need to, to grasp. In other translations, it says that using to my advantage, it says I, I need to grasp, that I need to hold on. Jesus Christ didn't need to hold on to who He was. He didn't need to hold on to His significance. And He says, He responded. And He came. He made Himself nothing. He had all of this. He had all of this glory. And he said, instead of holding on to it, I'm going to let go of it. And he emptied himself. He gave up his glory. And doing that, he came into our life, into our world. He dwelt amongst us. And so I want you to see his perspective. I want you to understand his perspective. He didn't need to hold on to. He didn't need to grasp that glory that he had. He let go of it. Because he let go of it, he came and he entered into life. Rather, he moved from heaven to earth. You guys have heard that before? Yes. Jesus came from heaven to earth. Do we get that? Think about that for a moment. That the transcendent, sovereign God, the creator of the universe, 
intentionally entered into this life. He intentionally came from heaven. He intentionally put on flesh and He came apart of this life. He came apart of this physical reality that we're experiencing right now. He entered into our experience. He came into our broken place. He walked amongst us. He put on this messy flesh. That's what Jesus, that's what God did. The God of the universe did that. He came and experienced what we experience. The King of Kings chose to come and be with the people. Like that's amazing. There's no other God like that. There's no other faith that claims that. There's no other description that, that God, that God would come down and be with us, that He would be one of us. That's incredible that He would enter our world. But think about how He came. He didn't come in power. He didn't come in this spiritual form. Like God, if He wanted to, He could have come into this earth in a spiritual form. But He came what? In a physical form. He came fully in a body as a human. And like, why don't we celebrate that more often? We celebrate what at Christmas? The birth of Jesus. That He came how? in bodily form that he came as a baby that he came in human form and we celebrate that at Christmas and then we move on to it we move on to something else by New Year's we've forgotten about it like why would we not celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ came and he lived amongst us he walked amongst us he put on this human flesh why wouldn't we celebrate that all year long why wouldn't we continue to talk about that and talk about that and talk about that and celebrate that Realize that what He did when He came from heaven to earth is that He brought together the spiritual and the physical. He fully entered into our physical experience. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. God, Spirit, God in heaven came. And he entered in. He integrated the physical and the spiritual. He put on a body. He entered into life. What has Paul been talking about? My life is what? Verse 1. I mean, chapter 1. My life is Christ. Christ came and he came into this life, right? We talked about that. This physical life. This, this experience that we're having. And he says... Jesus Christ came and He entered a life. He had the same experience. He was born. He was an organism. Okay, He was a body. He experienced senses. He touched. He felt. He smelled. He saw. He was born. He died. He had different circumstances. He, he experienced conflict. He experienced opposition. He experienced suffering. He experienced this physical life. And the reason that we can say that Christ is our life is because He came and He experienced life. We couldn't say, Jesus Christ is my life. Jesus Christ is everything if He hadn't come and demonstrated what that life looked like. He brought the spiritual world 
entró a spiritual perspective trajo el into the physical life. And we can look at his example, this fully integrated life, this fully integrated life of the spiritual and the physical lived out right before us, lived out amongst us. And Jesus came, he came to redeem both, both the spiritual and both the physical. Right? We celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus, and then we celebrate Easter, which is the death of Jesus. But what happens to the death? He redeems life. Alright? He redeemed life. And in the end, He is going to return and He's going to restore. There's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. It's all going to be restored. It's all going to be redeemed. It's not just the, not just the spiritual, but it's also the physical. There's going to be, it's going to be brought together perfectly as we experience that with Him in heaven. And he came and he demonstrated that for us. That's great, right? You're thinking that. That's pretty cool. That's good theology. Good ideas. But what does that mean for us now? How does that impact my life now? If we share his mind, if we share his perspective, then our lives will be integrated as well. Right? The physical and the spiritual will be integrated in our lives just like it was integrated in the life of Jesus. If we have His mind, if we have His perspective. And I don't know about y'all, but typically, I tend to separate the two. I tend to compartmentalize my life between the spiritual and the physical. This Sunday, this is for the spiritual. Okay? Discipleship community, let's be spiritual. And, and when I have my time with the Lord, let's be spiritual. Okay, now I'm going to be physical and I'm going to work. Now I'm going to be physical and I've got to be a debt. I just go back and forth, back and forth between the two worlds instead of integrating them as one. And some of you might go into the spiritual and you sort of neglect the physical. Right? You've seen people like, they're so spiritual, like they're no earthly good. Like, what purpose are you serving here? Like, you're so, so lost in the spiritual, so lost in that. Everything becomes spiritualized that, that, that your life is falling around, falling down around you. We might go in one direction or the other. I think we tend to get locked into the physical and rarely do we bring the spiritual into it. That's my nature. That's what I do. Think about yourself. Think about which one you tend to move towards and how they compete with each other. A few months ago, Nidia came up with this idea. She said, let's do Zumba at the church. I said, huh? Well, we'll do Zumba at the church. I say that, you guys laugh. When I share that with someone else, I feel like I have to give all this clarification as to why we would do Zumba in the church or as a ministry. Like, how? how so you're gonna you're gonna bring God into Zumba? You're gonna bring this spiritual God, this amazing sovereign Creator God into Zumba? And she began to explain. I said, so you're going to go, go get certified to do Zumba. You're going to have to, to memorize these dances, these, these Latin dances. 
You're going to memorize these songs. I was like, and then you're going to be in the room with other people. We're going to clear out these chairs and we're going to play that over the speakers. And, and the biggest thing she has to learn is how to exercise and smile at the same time. None of that sounds very spiritual to me. And as I share that idea with people, like, well, no, this is an opportunity to, to, to invite the neighborhood in. This is an opportunity for us to come together, right? We're in this, this physical experience of Zumba, but yet we get to have these relationships week after week, day after day, as we would exercise together, build relationships, reaching out, sharing the gospel, being involved in others' lives. It gives us this place to do that. But I have to explain that, and I have to go piece by piece, and then, you know, people always have objections. Because when we try and integrate the spiritual into the physical, people are like, huh? You need to keep those separate. You need to keep those divided. Like, don't try and integrate those things together. And typically when we do that, there's opposition. There's difficulty. There's suffering. Just what Paul's been talking about here, right? When he looks at his physical life through a spiritual perspective. It's silly, right? It's silly to say, well, we're going to face opposition to do Zumba as a church to reach out to the neighborhood to proclaim Christ but why can't we integrate the two why can't we do both why does it have to be either or why can't as Jesus integrated both the spiritual and the physical why can't we do that so think about your life alright that's a silly example in a sense Zumba but think about your life Think about tomorrow. Think about when you get up tomorrow and you either go to work, you go to class, you interact with friends, you interact with family, when you come home, when you relax, when you exercise. Are you integrating? Are you bringing the spiritual into this physical life? Is Jesus Christ your life? Because if you don't integrate that in, then, then Jesus is not your life. Right? Paul is talking about the physical life and the spiritual has to impact that. We have to bring that in. And that's what Jesus did as He entered into life. He entered into this physical condition. And so from that point forth, forevermore, the gospel has brought those together. As He brought those together, He came in bodily form. You guys told me He came as a human. He came as a baby. As humans, what do we have? We have relationships. We were created for relationships. We were made in this image of God, and part of that is we have the capacity to have relationships. So coming, entering into life, then Jesus had, and He entered into others' lives. He entered into relationships. And remember, that's the context of this passage. Verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have this mind, think like Jesus, who, and then it describes it all. As we are in this life, this physical life, if Jesus Christ is our life, and now we're interacting in each other's lives, in relationships, think about Jesus Christ. Consider Jesus. We're going to have His mind. We're going to have His perspective. We should respond in our relationships as He responded in His. In verse 7 it says, He took the very nature of a servant. Right? 
In verse 8, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to, the de to death, even death on a cross. Again, this is because of his perspective. Because he didn't count, right, this equality, this glory that he had, this thing to be held on to, this thing to grasp to. He, he let go of it. And letting go of it, he became a servant. He entered into relationships. He moved towards us in relationships. And realize this is Jesus. This is God. He moved out of relationship from within the Trinity with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He came from heaven to earth and He came into relationship with us. He had to move away from that relationship with God in a sense to come into relationship with us. That's what He chose to do. He let go of His status. He let go of that relationship that He had and He was experiencing and He took on relationships with us. He took on our status. He became human. It was a sacrifice for Jesus to do that. It was a sacrifice for him to leave his throne in heaven. It was a sacrifice for him to leave that relationship. To move into our lives. To move into relationship with us. So ask the question. Are we willing to move in to the lives of others? That's what Christ did. Because of his perspective, he entered in. He entered into our lives. He entered into relationship with us. But realize what it says about his relationship with us. He moved in to the role and the place. This is the very nature of a slave. In these relationships with us, as a human, in this bodily form, he says, I became the very nature of a slave. He didn't enter into relationships of authority. He wasn't the authority figure. He wasn't over us. He didn't even enter into relationships of equality. Hey, we're all the same. We're all... No, he came and he says, I'm going to enter in as a servant. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to be low and I'm going to serve you. That's how he came. That's what his relationship looked like. He was a servant. It literally says, when you understand that word that's behind that, he was devoted to another's needs, to another's interests, at the disregard of his own. That's what it means to be a slave. It's about who you're serving. It's about that individual. It's about that relationship, their needs, their interests, not my own. At times my needs, my interests are met. At times I'm just, ser I'm just thinking about them. I'm just serving them. I'm just putting them before myself. That's the relationship that Jesus entered into, one of service. It literally led him to death. He humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He literally served himself to death. He served us and died doing it. Because of his perspective, that was his response. He came not to get love, but to give love. He entered into relationships not to get his needs met, but to meet the needs of others. 
Are we willing to move into relationships to serve others? Put their needs before our needs. Put their interests before our interests. Because if we shared this perspective with God, if we, if our mind, if we shared our mind with Christ, then that's what we would do. I remember sitting down with Jake and Brandon. We had lunch and uh, on Madeira in Simi Valley. I met them during work. And I remember Jake particularly, like, this guy is young. This guy, he's going to come and be a part of this church, and he's going to have a lot of needs. And, and he's one of those, as I joke with you guys, he's an EBC student, and he's going to have all these questions, and he's going to want to talk about Nahum 2 and the significance of Nahum 2, you know, like so many different things, right? And uh, oh, This is going to be a little bit of a burden. We're going to have to think about his needs, his interests. We're going to have to serve him. I remember being at family camp and sitting back and watching Jake. Jake didn't sit down. Jake kept going from person to person. Can I help? What can I do? Well, you can do this. Well, I don't know how to do that, but teach me how to do that and I'll do it. He just went from place to place, from person to person. How can I serve? What can I do? What is it that you need? And I'll, I'll meet that need. And, and, and I watched. It's like, you know, two days were there. And he, I was like, he's going to stop. He's going to stop soon. And he kept doing that. He kept serving. He kept looking for opportunities to serve, to meet others' needs. Then we're on our way home. And if you remember how, how the Fullers travel, right? We, we pack up everything on top of the van. We pack and cram everything in the van. And then we're full of people. And this is after two days of camping. And, and we stink and we're tired and we're exhausted. We're on the way home and I get a text from Jake. Hey, when you get home, let me know and I'll come out and help you unload. I said, what? I like, he must be texting the wrong person. Like, he's confused. Why would he offer to do that? So... But I wanted to give him the chance to serve, right? So I get home, I text him, he comes out, he's helping us in, and he says, oh, by the way, when we're finished, and he gives me this basket of strawberries. We picked this up on the way home at one of the farms. I wanted to give it to you guys. Hope your kids enjoy it. And I can talk about him because he's not here today. Right? And you guys don't tell him that I talked about him. But I've been amazed at how he serves. I've been amazed at how he goes to other people and he interacts with other people and he says, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? There's been multiple people that have come up to me and said, wow, Jake, he's, he, I've been so encouraged by Jake. It's amazing how he serves. It's amazing how he enters in. It's amazing how he looks for opportunities to meet others' needs. I've heard that again and again. I've experienced that. Right? The same when I sat at that table and I'm like, man, he's going to be a drag. He's going, to, he's going to require so much work. Right? I'm just being honest. And then he came and, and, and he served and he's given and he's met others' interests. He put others' needs. And I, I believe it's because he has the mind of Christ. And because he has the mind of Christ, then he's responding like Christ. He enters into relationships and he serves. He puts others' needs before his own. That's what Jesus did. That's what we're to do. Do you move into relationships like that? Do I move into relationships like that? 
Think about your relationships. Are you getting your needs met? Or are you trying to meet others' needs? Are your relationships because of your interest and how it's going to make you look and what you're going to experience? Or is it so that I can care and put the interests of others before myself? And you might think, well, how, how do I assess that? How can we test that? How can we examine our lives? How do you respond when you've served someone and they don't even acknowledge what you've done for them? You serve someone, you do something for them, you put their interest before your own, and they don't even recognize it. They don't even acknowledge what you've done. How do you respond? Maybe you do something for someone, you serve them and you put their needs before yourself, and then they just criticize what you've done. How do you respond? Do you have the mind of Christ? This morning, I ironed my wife's pants. All right? This is our Sunday routine. I come back from studying and finishing up and, and everybody's getting up, right? And they start to bring in their clothes and I stand and I like to iron. It helps me to relax. It helps me to think. I'm ironing. I'm doing all their clothes. You know, but I'm serving. I finish Nidia's pants, I hang them up, right? They're ready to go. I'm, I'm really caring for her this morning because she's interpreting. You know, things are just nice and calm and cool at my house. She gets the pants and she's like, Brit, the pockets! The pockets are all wrinkled! You ironed all the pants, but the pockets are wrinkled. Do you know how silly it's going to look if the pockets are wrinkled and the rest of the pants are... Or ironed? And I'm like, what? I just, I ironed your pants and you're talking about the pockets? Do not understand how I served you. Do not understand how I did this for you and you're complaining about the pockets. That's how I know I don't have the perspective of Christ. Oh, I'll serve. I'm going to serve. Come on, let's serve each other. And then you get upset. People don't recognize my service. People criticize my service. If we have the mind of Christ, it doesn't matter. We're not doing it for each other. We're doing it to honor Him. We're doing it to glorify Him, right? Yes, we love each other, but it's for Him. It's because of Him. It's His mind. It's His response. It's not from you. It's not from inside of you. It's Jesus Christ. It's the gospel working through you. But we can't do that. Unless we're willing to give up our own glory. Right? He had the perspective that he was willing to let go of, empty himself, to humble himself. Because he didn't count, he didn't consider that, that, that glory something to hold on to, something to grasp, but he was willing to let it go, and so therefore he could do this. Right? But we talked about it. We had this vain conceit. We're starving for glory. We're starving for significance. And so we get it sometimes. And we'll get it from Jesus. And I have this significance through Jesus Christ. And I'm holding on to it. I'm not going to let go of it. We have to decide that. Before the fact. We have to settle that beforehand. Because you can't give what you're holding on to. We have to take the glory that we've been given and we give it to others.
And I want to clarify to you guys that we have received glory. Jesus Christ has given us glory. Look back at John 17. I read this last week. All right. When I talked about us being one with Jesus as the Father and Jesus one, that's how we're going to be one together, together, together. Verse 22. The glory, this is Jesus talking, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. God, you have given me this glory, I've given that glory to them, and we're going to be one as we give away this glory to each other. We have to be willing to do the same. Have you guys ever eaten dessert with Emmanuel? It's an experience. Ricky's laughing. Right? Because you, if you go in his house, Emmanuel's always got desserts. He's always got... Open the freezer, and there, man, you, you, there's going to be so many choices of what you want. He's always stocked. He gave ice cream to his kids when they were like less than a month old. Okay? Don't, don't do that at home, but that's... Emmanuel loves dessert. And he loves to share his dessert. And we'll be at his house, and he'll be like, what do you want, Britt? What do you want? Which one do you want? Which one's for you? I got all these pints. Ben and Jerry's was on sale. Can you believe how inexpensive it was? We've got six kinds. I want that one. Mint chip. He gives it to me. I'm enjoying it. But then Emmanuel comes with the pistachio, one that he's having, and he says, look, I got the pistachio. Brit, 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 this is, literally, this is what he does, okay, right? You're his wife, right? Brit, Brit, taste this, taste this, taste my pistachio. No, I said, no, no, Emmanuel, I don't want to taste your pistachio. No, 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 it's so good. Have my pistachio. I'm like, but I chose mint chip. I'm enjoying my mint chip, but taste my pistachio. And I've learned just to receive it. But the reason I don't want to is because I've chosen the mint chip. Okay? I know what I want and I've got it and this is my glory. This Oh, I'm going to enjoy this. Right? I chose what I wanted. This is my mint chip. Because if I taste of his pistachio, what's he going to ask next? Will you give me a taste of your mint chip? I'm like, I don't want your pistachio. I have mint chip. And if I give, if I eat of your pistachio, you're going to want my mint chip. I don't want to share. I want to grasp and hold on to this mint chip that you've so freely and graciously given me. I mean, he gave it to me, and then I don't want to share it back with him. God has given us grace. He's shown us love. He entered into our lives. He came into relationship with us. And we just hold on to it. I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give it to others. I don't want to share that with others. Are you willing to share what you've been given? What you received that you did not deserve. Jesus entered into a relationship of service with us. We walk in relationships of service with each other, putting each other's needs before our own. 
And John 20, later in that, that book, in that gospel, Jesus tells the disciples, As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. He fully incarnated, he fully represented God. And as the Father has sent him, now Jesus is sending us, and we should be fully incarnating, fully representing Jesus Christ. As he sent Jesus, Jesus has sent us. So we enter into life. We integrate the physical and the spiritual. We enter into relationships. And as Jesus put on the likeness of us, we're to put on the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's the response if we have the mind of Christ. So look at how God responded in verse 9. Look at how God responded to the perspective of Christ and to the response of Christ. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus gave up a greater glory than any of us will ever have or ever give up. Jesus emptied himself more completely than any of us will ever empty ourselves. That's our God. And because of his humility, God's going to exalt him. God has exalted him to the highest place. It says at the end, all of this is ultimately to the glory of God. When we give up our glory, when we serve each other, when we enter into life, when we enter into these relationships, it glorifies God. It glorifies God. It glorifies God. We were given glory to give it. As I started, it's all about Jesus. Right? We want to look at that summit. We want to go to the peak. We're going to have the mind of Christ and we need to consider Christ. We need to look at Him. We need to be with Him. And so what I want us to do to respond is we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate that Jesus entered life and that Jesus entered in to our lives. How do we celebrate that in December? We have Christmas, right? And if you've been around Livingstones, you know we sing Christmas songs, Christmas carols. And I always have to hold back Ernesto because Ernesto wants to start singing Christmas songs in the fall. And we'll joke back and forth, well, we should be singing about the Incarnation all the time. Why do we wait to Christmas? Why is it just for three or four weeks around Christmas? 
So this morning, we're going to celebrate by singing a Christmas song. Because it applies now in September, I promise. All right? And I want to read to you from this song, O Holy Night. I want to read to you the literal translation. When it was first written in, in French, right Ernesto? Ernesto shared this before, but I want to read it because I want us to hear the literal translation before it made all of these iterations and all these changes and now what we sing today. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him taking on bodily form, Him coming from heaven to earth, Him coming in the flesh. Midnight Christians, it is the solemn hour when God-man descended to us to erase the stain of original sin and to end the wrath of His Father. The entire world thrills with hope on this night that gives it a Savior. What's the response? People kneel down. Wait for your deliverance. Incarnation, incarnation, here is the Redeemer. Incarnation, incarnation, here's the Redeemer. He's come from heaven to earth. May the ardent light of our faith guide us all to the cradle of the infant. Right? He came in form, he came in bodily form to this infant that was born. As in ancient times, a brilliant star guided the oriental kings there. The king of kings was born in a humble manger. O mighty ones of today, proud of your greatness, it is to your pride that God preaches. It's to your glory that you're trying to hold on to. Bow your heads before the Redeemer. Bow your heads before the Redeemer. The Redeemer has overcome every obstacle. The earth, right, this physical life is free and heaven is open. He sees a brother where there was only a slave. Love unites those, brings us together, right? One mind, one perspective that iron had chained. Who will tell of our gratitude? For all of us, He is born. He suffers and dies. People stand up. Sing of your deliverance. Incarnation, incarnation, sing of the Redeemer. Incarnation, incarnation, sing of the Redeemer. So Ernesto is going to come and we're going to sing O Holy Night. I want us to stand up. I want us to stand up and sing of our Redeemer. Sing of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, who entered into this life.